with another exciting episode of Capital Sawdust Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle of Dogwood Woodworks. And I'm James of Skyland Design Studio. And today we're talking about joinery and dovetailing with the dovetail master himself. Have you met Cam? Uh, so this is Cam Corselman. He runs a channel called Ursus Woodworks. Cam, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're very excited. Me. Yeah, we're very excited to have you here. So uh, I'm going to lead this off. I actually uh, give a little bit of backstory. So Cam and I have met uh, once before. It was almost like a uh, a friendship that just kind of never ended uh, when I met him. Uh, I met him at Workbench Con 2019. He was just standing like I was, kind of like you know we were lost, and I just kind of walked over and I and I introduced myself and we hung out the the rest of the time the entire three days all all day long and um cam do you, do you remember what i'm talking about with the uh, the have you met cam the whole have you met ted thing <laughs> yeah i don't think i uh, i don't think i told kyle about that one why don't you why don't you i'll leave, let you do it <laughs> you know what i don't even remember exactly where it comes from uh i hadn't i i don't even remember the reference but it was, uh, definitely... it was how, how how I met your mother. Oh yeah, it was how right. I, it was how I met your mother. Saw Barney and then uh, Ted, but I changed to Cam. So all right. Yeah. So um, well, when we met at at the conference, it was a load off of my shoulders because I'm not the guy that walks up to a lot of people. And then uh, there was a pattern developing over the weekend where I kept telling you that I wanted to, you know, I say hi. I'm going to say hi to that guy. But then I never would because I'd get in my head. So you'd walk up to them and <laughs> you'd make you'd call attention to my presence. And I actually met probably half a dozen of the guys that I went there to say hi to because uh, because of your antics. It was a good time. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I remember um, John Malecki actually caught me in the hallway. Uh, <laughs> He goes, hey, Barney. And I went, huh? And I looked over at him. He goes, yeah. I, he goes, I, I got it. I got it. I got the reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that was good. It was good. Um, you're, you're, you're a lot more outgoing than I am. Uh, so you were meeting people left, right, and center. But um, I had a really good time there overall. It was an amazing conference. There's a lot to learn about woodworking and how to create a, a brand and everything. So it was a good time. Yeah. You, are you going next year? If I can, yeah. I'm definitely hoping to go. What about you? uh it's up to you if you're going i'm going <laughs> i might be traveling actually when was it, when is the conference in february yeah it's in february uh unless it changed as it'll be in february um mm. of 2020 there is a chance that i might be in new zealand at that time oh but sounds like a beautiful to be yeah but if i'm in north america i'm definitely going to go again what's uh what's new, new zealand is there animals there yeah, yeah, I'll be going there for work if everything works out good. So we're hoping, well, I guess, so I have a kid coming. Uh, it's due in a couple of weeks. So what our plan is, is we're going to get set up and then sometime January, February, something like that, when the kid is three, four, five months old, uh, we're going to head over to New Zealand and I'm going to locum there. So, um, so yeah, uh, I work as a veterinarian and... Okay. One of the things you can do as a vet is locum, where you fill in at different clinics for a couple of weeks. Um, it can be a couple of days to a couple of months at a time, depending on what they need. And that's currently what I do up here in British Columbia. And so I'm hoping to get a change of scenery and 
do that in New Zealand for a while. Sounds really, really cool, actually. I've really wanted to go to New Zealand, but I doubt I'll ever get there. At least yeah. not soon. I, too, also have a kid on the way that's due in December. And it doesn't sound like I'm going to get to make it to Workbench Con in 2020 because I also have a wedding and a honeymoon that I'll be going on. Nice. And when is the, uh, when's the big day for the wedding? Uh, June 13th. Oh, okay. So we're good then. We're good. Uh, okay. I'm trying to figure out where Workbench Con is going to be for 2020. Uh, Atlanta. It's going to be in Atlanta again. But are they going to stay in Atlanta all the time? No, I don't know that. Uh, this is this would be the third Workbench Con that, that they've ever had. Uh, Cam and I went to the second one. And then um, I, I don't know where the first one was. It, it might have been in Atlanta. I know the second was, was in Atlanta. And then there was talk about moving it uh, this coming year. And then they announced that they're going to be in Atlanta again. So maybe okay. maybe we'll stay there. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, Maker Central is usually in the UK. Uh, why not have, you know, Workbench Con here in the in Atlanta? And I know there's a, a weekend with Wood, which is usually in middle America. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I had a buddy who went to that one. So I'm hoping to get to Workbench Con within three years. <laughs> we'll see. That's a long time, man. It's, so for the listeners out there, um, if you have never been to WorkbenchCon and you've been on the fence about it, uh, I suggest going. Uh, I learned so much and I met so many great people. Uh, Cam was one of them. And um, it, it truly is a, it's, it's an amazing time. So I suggest going, Cam. Do you have any thoughts about it? Yeah, I definitely do. Especially, you know, if you're a woodworker and especially if you are trying to build an online presence, uh, it's the place to go. Like you get, you can go to like the way they have it set up. You can go to a bunch of different talks and they can, you know, it ranges from how to be successful on some of the platforms. It also tells you about how to make a website. Um, yeah, there's, there, there was a bunch of lectures about how to kind of get better at being creative, coming up with cool ideas. Uh, yeah, it's a great, it was awesome. Um, yeah, I guess the other thing was there's a lot of things about how to make uh, make some revenue in ways that you don't really think um, while you're setting up an online presence. So, yeah, because it can be tough if you're if you're stuck doing custom work and you don't and you're you love woodworking but you're not really in a big market. Like I'm in that situation. I live in a town that has you know 8,000 people, and the whole area that I live in. I mean, there might be 30,000 people within, you know, 100 kilometers in any direction. So, like, I don't, I, I can't really create a good custom business. But, um, so the only way that I can really keep up with woodworking and, and, and make it a passion and grow as a woodworker is to, um, yeah, try and sell stuff online. And so it's, it's excellent for doing that. That's pretty much what I do is try to sell the stuff online. Uh, my... I mean, I live in just outside of Washington, D.C., so, I mean, my market is huge in the sense of population, but presence, not necessarily. A lot of people in the area know that I'm here, and yeah. I spend a lot of my time in theaters in the area, so I'm, when I get around to the shop, it's doing small-time work, uh, doing some refinishes on certain projects, and if I get bogged down with work, 
everything in my shop just kind of goes to the wayside. Um, I'm sure James can attest to the same thing. He, you know, works for the military as a civilian contractor. And uh, he has his own side projects as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, mine's mostly a time issue. You know, I don't really have the time to make all these custom projects anymore. Um, So I drive about two hours each direction to work. And, um, and then I get home and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a father of four, you know, I have a wife and then I'm also a full-time student. So I'm doing that as well. So on top of all that together, trying to run a business right now, it's just, I would rather not have the business going, uh, and focus on my family until I do have the time to focus on my business so I can make sure it thrives. So it's not just like, yeah nickel and dime here, nickel and dime there, or not having the time to make my orders uh, on time and making angry customers and then tarnishing my name so badly that I can't really pick it back up later. So I'm kind of in that limbo area, that that stage of my life. Um, But you said something earlier um, about WorkbenchCon and trying to find your online presence and and things like that. Did did you... is that how you became such a, a sensation, uh, you know, and I don't have a really better word for that, but because you kind of went from when I first met you, you were way below my numbers on Instagram. And then you actually, you were talking to me, you were like, man, I'm never going to make it like that. You're doing so much. Right. Now you're like <laughs> way, you, you by you know, surpassed me like by uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So, did is anything that you learned at WorkbenchCon anything that you implemented into your, you know, your stuff to kind of flourish the way you did? Absolutely, yeah. So, well, I guess there's a couple of things. So, there was uh, so one of the one of the talks was on how to be successful at Instagram, and I mean there was a lot of different things that they talked about. A lot of uh, kind of nitpicky details. The big tape co message was to go for video. So if you want to have if you want to have really compelling content and you want it to to have for Instagram to be sharing, it seems like their algorithms and just the nature of video is a lot more compelling. Um, so they were saying go with video, go with video. So I'm currently um, pretty much posting exclusively videos. Um, for the last, well, since WorkbenchCon. Uh, there's a few exceptions, but... So that was one of the things that I, that I took away from it. And, um, you know, there was this other... There was this other speech by Mike Montgomery. He has... Uh, what is his... Uh, oh, it's Medustrial Maker. So he was just talking about how, like, to find a way to push push the limits of, of what you're doing. So... Um, I'm currently doing a 30-day dovetail challenge, and you know, to come up with 30 completely different dovetails is a pretty tall order. But you know, he just takes something that you really take something that's already been done, you know, so dovetails, for example, and then you know, make a dovetail, and then ask yourself, how can I make this more cool, and how can I add different elements or principles of design to make it and to take it from just a standard, uh, just a standard item like a dovetail joint to something that actually makes people look twice so i don't know how i mean i've been moderately successful at this with some of the dovetails that i've made but uh 
yeah, it uh, it's definitely kind of made me up my game. So I have a few a few dovetails where I've used like um, colored skateboard veneer to make them really pop. That um, I saw some of your stuff. I'm looking. Well, actually, I actually have your Instagram open, so I can use it for reference. But there was definitely some cool, interesting, like the rainbow-looking dovetails, which I assume that's the skateboard. Yeah. So for that one, that was that was kind of an interesting one. So, I mean, if you go back to the idea of like how to push yourself, how to make something that that makes people look twice, you know. So you take a regular dovetail, and then the next step is to make dovetails more decorative and more beautiful is to do inlaid dovetails so that's where you know the the two boards say they're made out of one type of wood maple they have the dovetails and then the pins that come together and then weaving through the pins and tails of the joint would be a different color of wood um so you know typically you could do like walnut and maple and it would look it's kind of a home run because you have nice contrast there so yeah i was kind of thinking how could i take that to level you know dial that up to 11 and uh so i came up with the idea to use a skateboard skateboard veneers so i ordered it and then i kind of i glued it together into a rainbow pattern and then made that into the the inlay of the dovetail joint so now you you had these skateboard veneers laying around for a while didn't you because i i believe we were talking about it at last february yeah. So you you just had them, you just ordered them and had them sitting around waiting, and you just looked at them and said, "Hey, I'm gonna grab those." Or yeah. was, was it completely <laughs> planned? And you were like, "I'm ordering this specifically for that." No, I I had the veneers around for. There was a kind of a I had I was trying to figure out. Um, I was hoping to use them for a bit of a different project, um, where I could. I wanted to take like a a bit of a like 1960s graphic design. It's really hard to explain, but kind of a 1960s, uh, very abstract graphic design approach to um, making a, a kind of a hall side table that I had an idea for. So I ordered these veneers and then I ended up just kind of forgetting about that project and had them sitting around. And yeah, then the idea kind of popped into my head. So it, uh, you know, that, that post... It has been like by far and away the most successful Instagram video that I've had. I don't know how many views it has now because um, you can't really see on Instagram anymore. But so I have to go into my analytics to look at it. But it was hundreds of thousands yeah, of views. So. I see. You know what's funny is I is I saw it uh, from somebody. I can't remember who it was, but I saw it as a repost. Yeah. And and I when I looked at the numbers, I was like, oh my god, that's so many views. And then I was like that looks so familiar. Where do I know that from? And I said, oh my God, that's Cam's work. And then I went over to your channel and I found the same video and I said, oh my God. And then when I looked at your numbers, I was like blown away. So it's a, it says it's a 426,000 views with 199 comments. Wow. Yeah. So that, I mean, that, that blows every other post I have out of the water, I think. Um, yeah. One of the interesting things about that post, you know, I've, I, I have some mixed feelings about people jack in your work and and spreading it around the internet but um actually uh so jonathan katz moses who um makes a dovetail jig um that i've used quite a bit he kind of messaged me and he said dude you're on the you're on the front page of reddit and uh so i opened reddit and sure enough that rainbow dovetail there somebody had had reposted it and put it on reddit and uh 
it took off from there. It was in the mildly mildly interesting subreddit. Well, I mean, um, that interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if you made it to Reddit. Yeah. So I mean that that was kind of that was really cool. It was it was great to have that happen. You know, interestingly, even though that makes the front page of Reddit, it didn't translate into any new people following my channel because they didn't put a link. Oh, no. who made uh, it. <laughs> that's what I was just about to ask. I was just about yeah. to ask cross-platforming if it was beneficial or not. Absolutely. There was no uptick whatsoever, unfortunately. So yeah. that's kind of, I mean, you know, Brad Rodriguez and John Malecki have talked about that a lot where, you know, people ask to use your content and they, their, their opinion is don't ever let people because it's, it's, you know, often less than 1% conversion in terms of views where people actually follow you. So, yeah. so that's been kind of disappointing, but, but my growth on Instagram is, it has been uh, definitely surprising. When I was talking to James at WorkbenchCon, I think I had a few hundred and I had, so I went, I posted, I made like 150 posts or something like that. And I had you know, two or 300 followers. And I was getting pretty demoralized about the whole thing. And then I started the dovetail challenge and it completely changed. Well, actually, that's not true. I am forgetting about something. Have you guys, have you guys looked at the the wooden lock that I made? Your Egyptian lock? Yeah. Yeah. So I that, saw that, that one took off. So that was, that was one exception where uh, Ben Ueda, um, he, he posted a story about how he liked it. And then I went from like 300 or 400 to 500. So I gained like 100 followers in one day from that post. And then I was kind of, I wasn't so bummed out about Instagram. But it's a long road from the from the beginning. Like you you could post every day for a week and only get seven new new followers. So you really have to play the long game when you're when you're starting. But yeah, so he shared that in the story. And then I got a little bump from that. And then I started the 30-day dovetail challenge which i should do a shout out here um urban shop works it's a guy based up in the yukon in canada here but he was the first guy to do the 30-day dovetail challenge and i heard him on a podcast and he was he was talking about how you know you just have to commit and make 30 dovetails and commit to posting for the 30 days so that you're you're almost obligated to to do as many as possible and to do it as fast as you know one a day and i just decided that i was gonna take that on yeah it's it's an amazing thing i think that everybody should do it um dovetails are super intimidating like the first time i laid out my pins and tails um and put them together it was a disaster but by the fourth or fifth time, you've already improved like two or three or four hundred percent. And by the time you've done ten, you can you can pass it off as you know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so did did you know? Uh, were you proficient in dovetails prior to uh, this challenge, or were you like a complete novice and you knew what you were doing, but you didn't really know what you're doing, and then you just started, and then now you're doing all these crazy things now? Yeah, I was a complete novice. So last Christmas, um, I asked for a Veritas, like a Lee Valley dovetail jig, because I wanted to give it a try. And then that just sat around for months. Um, I never really got to it. And then I listened to that podcast and decided, you know what, I'm definitely going to do this. I'm going for it. Because he described it as something, again, yeah, 
where you do where you think it's this this abstract thing that oh I could never do that until you do ten and then all of a sudden you think this isn't that bad if I keep at this then by twenty I'll be half decent and it's true um, I was amazed by how I could get you know it's it's incredibly satisfying to you know cut your you know cut your dovetails and then mark mark your pins, cut your pins, and then have it fit together perfectly. That's an immensely satisfying thing. Did that happen it, every time, or did you have many errors? Or The first 10, it was never, it was ne- none of those were perfect. Like, they were close enough where, you know, close enough where you don't really have to worry about it. But, you know, and then 10 to 20, it was starting to get better where I thought I'm almost close. And then now I'm at a point where they do fit really snug every time. And then, you know, I'm using jigs. So some there's a lot of there's a lot of classic woodworkers, furniture makers who would say that I'm cheating by using a jig and they can cut them completely by hand. Like they just they do the sight line and they cut completely 90 degrees perfectly on the side of the line every time. And they fit together like a glove. So the sky's the limit. I, I probably, you know, by the time if I could do that freehand, I, I, I'm not even halfway there. I don't think using a jig is actually cheating. I think it's adapting, especially if you're going to try to pump out multiple items at a time. It's like you just got to deal with it. I mean, is CNC, is a CNC cheating? To uh, some, to uh, some, yes, maybe. To uh, some, sure. not at all. You know, when you're trying to batch thing out, batch things out in a short amount of time, you use the machines you've got. So, some would say that we're not true artists or true word workers, and to that I say they're probably wrong, because uh, we probably do hold some truth to the craft. We are just with more modern time. Sure, but I mean, he's he's using the tools that he has available to him. I think that a lot of the craftsmanship that people are talking about aren't necessarily 100% the tools that you're using or how you're doing it, but it's the uh, the imagination that you have that's in your head and having the ability to get that image out of your head and make it a thing. And I think that that is craftsmanship, in, you know, in a whole. I absolutely agree. So for those who don't know, I'm going to read the definition of what a dovetail is. A dovetail is a joint in woodworking where two sides are fitted together with interlocking pieces. Pretty much the basic summary. That's a joint. That's every, that's every joint out there. I know, but that's what it says for the definition. No, I know. So speaking of other joints that are out there, Cam, do you have any, uh, or, or Kyle, do you have anything uh, up your sleeve for once this 30-day challenge is done, we're not going to call it a 30-day challenge, right? We're going to call it a 30-dovetail challenge, you know, because life happens. <laughs> yeah, life but, gets in the way. <laughs> so we'll, we'll call it a 30-dovetail challenge. Do you, either one of you guys have any joints that you're going to try uh, in the future? Maybe another 30-day something? Uh, I mean, I don't use it. I mean, I haven't made a lot of stuff where I'm using a lot of joints. And the, one, the, the joints I do use are either your basic butt joints your miter joints, biscuit joints, and your pocket joints. Those are the those are the five major ones I use. I don't have I don't use the half lap or uh, the rabbit joints, and I definitely haven't done 
dovetails or mortars and tenons. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm, I, the next thing that I'm going to try and tackle is is doing more of the mortise and tenon kind of stuff. You know, the sky is the limit for for where you can take that. You know, trying to get ideas for it's kind of embarrassing to say, but Pinterest. You know, there there is uh, if you go on Pinterest, you can find these. I don't know if you guys have ever done it, but they have a lot of the old Japanese joints with their Japanese names. And these joints are like absolutely wild. Um, you can look up all these 3D diagrams of how they all go together. And um, so I, I've looked at a lot of these Japanese joints, like different scarf joints, and they have a whole a little bit of a different system of how they put everything together. But um, that's a good place to start if you're looking to try wild joints is find just search Japanese joinery and look for the the 3D drawings. I've had a lot of good luck with that. So well, I, you mentioned it and I kind of pulled it up and I'm looking. Hey, these are some crazy ones. Like there's uh, just they're they're out there because like they popped up with like the 3D blowouts of these joints and it, you look at them and you're going. How the hell do they get these together? <laughs> and I know I've seen some of these kind of pop up on Instagram every now and then, and then piecing it together. It's like it's almost damn near impossible. And then they start it's sliding together, and you're like, oh, well, all right. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like one of the one of the dovetails that I want to try from to end up my or to send off my 30 day dovetail challenges. The Japanese sunrise dovetail. Which looks very intricate. Yeah. And this is kind of like where I guess it's not even really a it's not even really a true dovetail because there's not necessarily true dovetails and true pins. But the I mean, for any of the listeners, they're just gonna have to Google it. But the it's two a- sides fan out at an angle and then when they come together it kind of looks like the rays of a sunrise. And you know, out of anything that shows that you've got your chops down, I think <laughs> I think the sunrise dovetail is the one because every single one of the rays of the sun that it's imitating is at a completely different angle. Over and above that angle, it's a compound angle. So you have to hold your saw. You have to have your saw control almost perfect. Well, I look because, to seeing what you uh, accomplish with that one because that's going to be interesting now, are you going to use like a reddish wood for like a, a dark wood and a, a light wood, like a reddish wood, like more like a paduke or walnuts or uh, I'm, trying to, I'm drawing blanks on red woods. Other than, <laughs> yeah, um, there's just your standard redwood. Um, yeah, I would use either walnut and maple or walnut and paduke. I've actually had a lot of good luck with walnut and paduke um dovetails just because the red and the and the the dark brown of the walnut and the red of the paduke just have like the perfect contrast they just pop my favorite woods to turn it turns like butter like like when you're turning like purple heart it definitely there's another good wood that would look probably really cool as a sunrise is purple heart but i know that's a pain in the ass to work with when you're turning with a purple heart the the sharp the the shavings they just it's like splinters it's like you're getting hit with splinters constantly but working with paduk it just it just peels away from the wood and something about the and i don't know if you've ever 
felt this is when I work with Padok is that when I'm drilling and then I'm, when I'm working with it, I get a hint of warm cinnamon. Oh, I get uh, I get sunscreen. You get sunscreen from Padok? Yeah, it smells like sunscreen to me. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I put I put a poll out. I had a poll out uh, for woodworkers to tell me what it smelled like because I swear it smelled like uh, SPF 50 or something. Oh, for me, it smells like cinnamon. That's so uh, yeah. It's like I, when I, sun lotion. I thought it kind of smelled like vanilla, like if you get the sawdust. That was kind of what I thought. But I, I can relate to the cinnamon. It's a nice, sweet smell. Oh, yeah. It's kind of crazy. I have to wear I have to wear a respirator when I do it because it, it gets in my nose and it just drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean, I have to wear a respirator for it, too, because it's such fine dust. But just when you're drilling and it's it smells like cinnamon. Not my favorite. I mean, it's a gorgeous wood. But the smell when you're drilling um, is the picote wood. For me, it smells like deep fried pickles. Really? I don't think I've ever worked with that wood. Yeah. So is that the wood that they have at, uh, like woodcraft and things like that? But it's covered in uh, wax. Well, is they, it that one? They, they put a lot of wax on. They get a lot of their woods waxed, period, because it helps preserve the wood. See, I was told that there was a multi-purpose for that wax, and that was one of them. But the other one was that uh, they said that it was a potential chance that a lot of people were allergic to it. So they, so certain woods that they knew people were highly allergic to, they would coat them in wax to kind of stop them from having reactions to it. Now, I could be wrong, but that's just kind of what I, that's what I was told one day at a woodcraft somewhere. Could be. That's I, that's a a new one for me but for me it just smells like pickles i love the coloring and the marbling it when it's i'm done with it the smell drives me nuts so well i have a ton of pen blanks so next time i see you i need to drop off a few of them to you uh i have i have bloodwood and early early maple um i have some purple heart i have a bunch of stuff that i got um this guy was he was pretty much giving them away I mean, I'll take Purple Heart, but I mean, I have a board of Purple Heart that I've cut up for blanks. Uh, so I'm going to have to do something else with the Purple Heart with some of the stuff. So, But uh, I mean, Cam, you said you like working with maple and walnut, but is there other woods that you like working with that just as good of dovetails? I don't have the I don't have that much experience. So I guess here's the story with how I get a lot of my wood. So especially for the dovetails anyways, um, we have. Or my dad, he he did work at a woodworking shop. They make a lot of really high-end doors. Okay. Um, and so what I would do is all the cutoffs that came from that, that shop, and you could get maple, cherry, walnut, mahogany, and oak. That were Those were kind of the five that they worked with. Um, so I got a lot of wood from that shop. And... Um, so I have, have a ton of pieces of just, you know, either four quarter or eight quarter um, off cuts that are probably somewhat, they're either less than two feet long um, if they're the full eight quarter by eight or 10 inches wide. And then I have a lot of other long, narrow strips that I don't really use for dovetails. So for this dovetail challenge, I've tried to use a lot of that wood uh, because I only need like a, you know, a four, two four by four inch pieces to make the, the dovetail example that I'm trying to do. Um, but yeah, I have, I've definitely used the walnut and the paduke 
because the red of the Paduk and the the brown of the walnut just pops like nothing else. Um, so I've really liked that. Otherwise, you know, I have I've got a I've got to branch out and try and get some more woods. I haven't really done much. What about what about you? What's your favorite? Well, I mean, I love working with purple. I mean, just something about the purple heart, and I do um, a lot of pins. I've done a lot of pins in purple hearts. Uh, I love Paduke or Bloodwoods. Redwoods always, for some reason, in pens come out gorgeous. Um, walnut, black walnut. Um, I did my uh, my guitar that I'm still working on was made out of a slab of cherry. Um and it once it was you know sanded and and I got it finished. The body is mainly finished. I got to put the rest of it together and maybe work a little bit more on you know buffing it out and getting it all nice and shiny. But something about cherry is also just gorgeous in its own right. So yeah, I'm just looking at that guitar right now. Um, so is that modeled after a specific? type that, of guitar it almost looks like a so that fender one, jazz master or something or it's very similar to a fender jazz master um i one of the guys that posts a lot of his media on ventables laid out this is the base he used and he took apart a uh, another type of fender and like i think he put, took apart like a 180 dollar like knockoff fender and Built the and use the neck and the and the strings and all that, and but then use this body to put everything together. Um, I'm doing a lot of bass back towards the uh, the Jazzmaster, not necessarily the uh, the Stratocaster, but definitely a Fender type uh, guitar, and it's going to be electric, obviously. And then in, I think we're going to go with a six string, and then. I haven't posted any photos because I need to actually cut the guitar from, I need to relief it from the block of wood. I layered some Home Depot pine boards together and I'm doing a, uh, a clone of the 1959, 1956 Les Paul guitar. Cool which is very similar to the one that I believe B.B. King used. Um, so that well, what, did, uh, what did B.B. King call that guitar? Didn't he have a special name for that guitar? Um, uh, his Les Paul? Sorry, that's Lucille? me nerding out. Is it Lucille? Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds perfect. Yeah, that sounds right. That'd be a beautiful guitar to make, too. But, I mean, so... I mean, that's a lot of detail, and you're going to have to basically have, like very good pictures of the less of his Les Paul to try to get it almost perfect. Yeah. Well, what got you started on making a guitar? I've actually, well, I've I, considered I, trying a bunch of different, like I've considered trying making guitars, but also I wouldn't mind trying to make an acoustic guitar. I think that'd be kind of like a neat, uh, I don't know. It just, it seems like a rite of passage in a way to make an, make a guitar, but I don't know. How has it been for you? So I work, I work in the entertainment industry and I know a lot of guys who play in bands. So 
I was like, okay, well, maybe I can make a guitar. And one of the guys I work with, he actually makes his own acoustics. And he sold, I, well, I don't know if he sold it, but at least one of his acoustics was going for like $13,000. Wow. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make, not necessarily generic guitars, but I wanted to put like my own little twist on guitars and just see if I get these guys I work with to maybe drop a grand or two and just make guitars for the everyday stagehand who plays in a band. Um, so I was going to do the first one out of Poplar, and I went to go get wood from one of my favorite wood shops in um, Manassas. And they, I got there, and they were like permaclosed. They were done. No. Oh, shoot. So I'm with my buddy, and we're doing like this mad scramble on like a Saturday trying to figure out where we can get some wood. And we were Googling and we're driving around Manassas and we actually ended up coming across this Instagram. That's also a shop out in Manassas. It's eco-friendly woods. Call the guy up. He's there. You know, his shop's open for the day. So we go down there and it was, I wouldn't say it was ugly weather, but it was definitely like light drizzle. So we get there and we go to the back of the property and he's got this huge property, and then like off to the back, it's his wood shop and where he sells all the slabs of wood. Everything is kiln dried and whatnot. And I'm, so I'm looking around, and we're looking at woods, and there's this just this little like three foot piece of uh, cherry wood, and I asked him to price it out, and it was like forty bucks. So I was wow. like, I'll take it. I mean, it, this thing was like three inches thick. Well, maybe not quite three inches thick, but it was thicker than it needed to be for the first guitar body and i'm like this will work for a good project 40 bucks i can justify spending 40 dollars for a cherry guitar body and i'm probably going to keep the first one myself it's like you know my right of passage i'm going to keep it and that will be like i can take it to guys and go this is what i make you know if you want one we'll talk you know specs and all that stuff and we'll see what we can do and uh so i started working on it and it took almost three hours and multiple cuts on the CNC machine to get it down to like almost fully cut. And then I used my bandsaw to cut it out of the leftover, like the excess. Nice. And then I then I was like looking at, at the at the uh, photos and going, okay, well how do I'm, how am I gonna shape it? And well first things first, I actually had to get it I had to plane it down to the proper thickness and so i'm going well my my planer is not going to hold this thing i have got like a 12 inch planer and this thing's 14 inches wide at its biggest piece of the yep. so i end up getting a planing bit for my router for my cnc machine and i don't bolt the guitar down but i build like a jig to hold it in place and i program my cnc to basically just lawnmower the body on the back side so i don't worry about any of the cuts on the uh, front all the relief cuts for where all the electric components are going and it just takes off whatever i needed to and then i basically spent three hours with a angle grinder with a 60 degree uh 60 grit flat disc just cutting out the belly cut and the wrist cut 
and I mean, I traced. I mean, I didn't trace everything, but I basically marked everything with pencil of where I wanted everything to be cut. And I mean, I probably sanded this thing for three to five hours. Wow, <laughs> that's persistence. Oh yeah. And, and oh. And then we rounded the, and then like I took it to the, to my uh, router table, and I did the round over on the edges and flush cut everything up. After, oh, actually, I did that before I did the 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 angle grinder sander, um, and then I just started doing shellacking. Well, I actually had to I had to seal a crack because uh, after cutting it out, it actually revealed a crack. So I ended up taping two sides off the crack and pouring red um, resin in it to. So that there's a little red streak up in the guitar. So, how are you going to finish the guitar? Are you painting it or? No, no, I'm, uh, I'm leaving the the cherry wood one. It's going to stay cherry. It's going to natural finish. It's been shellacked and lacquered, and I'm going to put a coat of poly on there, and I'm going to buff it until that sucker shines like the sun. Um, now, my plan for the Les Paul is I want to do a oil based paint dip so i'll primer the body and i'll put like a dipstick on it and i'll just dip it into a big ass trash can fill of water and i'll have um various paints and i'm gonna test this theory out before i actually you know damages the guitar <laughs> so. well i've seen some videos of people painting or dip doing the dip yeah, the hydro dip you can you know, there's yeah it looks awesome so that's that's my plan for the les paul um, when I get around to it, and then That's awesome. maybe I, you know, put some decent electronics in it. Maybe I'll raffle off and, you know, do like a charity thing for it. I don't know. We'll see how, you know, how well received it is. Yeah. Well, I think I'm gonna have to listen to this podcast to figure out what what happened while I was gone. Uh, we were talking about my guitars, ah. and then our favorite our favorite woods to work with. Okay, so I didn't miss too much. No, we're you know you left and we uh because we were talking about how he's you know. So I got a challenge for you to add into your thirty day uh, dovetail is have you tried working with just like either acrylics or hybrid acrylics with like wood and acrylic. Uh, well, I don't know about acrylic, but I was kind of thinking of doing like an epoxy, uh, an epoxy dovetail. Well, that, that well, I, sorry, I refer to as, uh, acrylic as epoxy resin. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, one of the things that, uh, that I was thinking about doing is kind of like the rainbow dovetail that I did. Um, you just, you cut out your pins and tails so that there's. A bit of a, a space between the pins and tails and as long as that space is even then you just you tape off and fill it with uh fill it with epoxy and then you've got essentially an inlaid dovetail so i was kind of thinking that maybe that would be a good way to for people who are intimidated by dovetails or kind of like a, a cheat that would look pretty awesome Ow. especially so I'm I'm just thinking because how thick of a piece of wood would you, like say you had like a a four inch piece of board could you cut that into like in half and then put those together 
back together as a dovetail? Uh, it, like, do you mean cut it in half lengthwise? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Or do you mean, like, try and get the grain to go around the dovetail? Pretty interesting, too. No, I mean, so I have a 6 by 6 by I think it's 2 inch. Maybe it's a little bit more. Um, uh, mold that I got from Lizard Blinks. Okay. That would make a decent sized woodworking brick. Um, that would be interesting to see how that would work. Let me play with things. I mean, other than that, I mean, I also have a two by six by inch and three quarter. So. So would you like cut out? So would you maybe? Because one of the things that I was kind of thinking that'd be neat is, you know how people cut out dovetail keys to put across, like, a, a big crack in a piece of wood? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the bow ties. Yeah, bow tails, yeah, or bow ties. So one thing that I was kind of thinking that would be kind of a neat twist on the on the keys would be to do some kind of, like, epoxy fill-in um, where you, rather than having to cut it, perfectly you could just put a nice a nice color of epoxy in there i think that'd be pretty neat yeah i don't even work better i haven't really i mean the most the biggest crack i've dealt with is the one in the guitar and i just filled it with epoxy i didn't even bother doing a dovetail or a, a bow tie in it so we'll see if it actually still holds um so so james like I said, we've discussed what our favorite wood to work is. What's one of your favorites? Uh, my favorite to work with um, is walnut. However, walnut destroys my lungs every time I cut it. Uh, so I have a love-hate relationship with it. But I, everything I make, some mo- at least most of the things I make, have some type of walnut in it for... Even either an accent piece or the whole thing is walnut. Um, if you look at my Instagram, there are, I would say it's probably a good 70 to 80% of the things I make is out of walnut. But I, in my shop currently, I have walnut, paduke, purple heart, ash, maple, bloodwood, zebra wood. Uh, and out of all those, those are the ones I tip a cherry. Those are the ones I use all the time. But my favorite one is walnut. That was a really long way around to tell you which one was my favorite. Uh, I wonder if anyone can. There is a type of wood out there that looks like it could be a blend of maple and purple heart, and I can't remember what it's called. I want to say it's called kingwood. Yeah, I actually, I forgot. I have some Kingwood in the shop as well. However, it is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Ridiculously expensive. My, uh, my, my neighbor bought me a piece for my birthday last year, and I have been too scared to cut it because of how expensive it is. <laughs> well, one thing I was going to, so I got to ask, so that cherry piece that you use for the guitar. Mm-hmm. So is for is forty bucks? Is that a pretty standard 
price for a piece of cherry in your guys' area? Is that, or is that pretty expensive? Uh, is it cheap? How, how big was the piece? Uh, I might, I might have missed that. Um, probably about two, about two, three feet wide, by about two to three feet tall. Uh, big, big enough to do a guitar body and then have some excess, uh, to scrap around and play with. So getting anything that wide, Cam, to answer your question, uh, is going to skyrocket the, the price awesome. by by at least a little bit, you know, because you do the calculation by board feet. But getting them that wide in this, I think that constitutes a slab at that point. I mean, mind you, the guy I got it from, he is the type of guy who runs a shop and he's not out there to break the back of woodworkers. Nice. So he, he kind of keeps it reasonable. He's he he. I don't think he has a lot of overhead. I mean, he pays his guys, and but the guys there, they also who work for him also have like their own side projects. One is like a wood carver, so he makes these gorgeous uh, anything sculpture sculptors out of wood. Are we talking about eco friendly? Yes, we are. Oh, okay. When you were talking about all those things, I was like, "That sounds like eco-friendly." Yeah, that guy's awesome. Uh, he came out to our uh, our meetup the Russell. last time. Yeah, Russell. Um, so, in the sense, I would say it's not cheap, but it's also not expensive in this neck of the woods for price. Nice. I think it's, you know, middle America. Well, I would say even middle America, but that's you know, middle class prices. Yeah. The reason I ask is because I don't know if you guys really know this, but in on the west, western North America, we don't have a lot of hardwoods. Like there are definitely some, but in British Columbia anyways, we there isn't a lot of walnut, um, not a lot of. So most of it does get shipped from either Ontario or somewhere in your neck of the woods if it's coming this way. And Sometimes, depending on the time of year and what kind of stock we have, it's like for me to buy walnut can be comparable to some of the exotic hardwoods. Uh, it's it's insane. It's it's. Um, I recently bought just so just a like just a we get they get pallets of shorts, so I bought a couple of pieces of like their four quarter four foot long, you know, they're somewhere between five and six inches and wide. And even that was like, I can't even remember, but it, it would minimum 40 bucks a board. Uh, so it gets pretty insane here. I almost can't afford to work in Walnut anymore. <laughs> well, uh, how far is the border from you? Or is there actually? I need to look up what are what are the uh, the laws against bringing a truck down and getting what you need and driving it back? Mm, I think you're good. Like if you just have regular kiln dried lumber, I don't think they're. I would I would have to look it up for any particular thing, but I do know that depending on whether you know Canada and the U.S. are getting along on softwood, and depending on how the the dollar is i do know that a couple of 
friends when they were building their house they just they put a big trailer behind their below their truck and they bought like the majority of the two by fours two by sixes all that stuff for their house build um they just went down to eureka montana and then drove it straight back across the border so i don't think there's too much um i don't think there are any regulations and i'll have to look it up but how far is kimberly from the border uh like if we straight south it's about well now you guys are gonna want miles so it would be uh oh yeah we need miles 50 miles (laughs) oh that's not bad at all no that's that's less than i drive to work one way yeah so (laughs) if i drove it'd probably be like 70 miles because we can't quite go straight there's no border crossing straight south but right. we have one border crossing to the southeast of us into Montana, and then one border crossing to the southwest of us into Idaho. So 70 miles to the U.S., 50 miles as the, as the crow flies. Yeah. Okay. Not too bad. That, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, so, I mean, have you ever thought about, you know, if you're down in that area, to just cross over with your passport, pick up what you need, and head back? You know, I'm, I am, I should consider it. The other thing that I've kind of thought about is maybe just getting a pallet. Just get a pallet of walnut, even just roughs on, um, and then just spending a bit more time working it rather well, than getting like S2S or whatever. Well, you said that it's not that they don't have them, it's just that they're kind of scarce. Is that correct? Yeah, well, it's just really pricey. Right. I mean, have you have you looked at maybe somebody with a down tree and then renting a um, a sawmill and taking all of it home? I have looked into that actually, um, but we we don't have a lot of walnut, especially in this area in the town Kimberly that I live in. Um, I don't know that walnut could even survive here, to be honest. Too cold. I think it's too cold. So you'd have to go. You'd have to go one valley over, and then they have tons of it there. So that would be about an hour and a half drive from here. Um, but, you know, a lot of people, like, we do have maple here, but a lot of people, when they cut down a tree, um, there's lots of people with wood stoves. So if you can get if you can get a hardwood for your wood stove, that's like, that's a prized possession. So a lot of people aren't really willing to give up, you know, a full tree trunk of hardwood because they can heat their house with that for probably a a winter or two. So I have definitely phoned some of the local um, arborists and uh, they just kind of frankly told me that no one would really be interested (laughs) because they wanted to heat their house in the winter. So it's kind of a shame to hear that these beautiful maples are just getting chopped into into firewood, but yeah. I guess that's the way it goes. Yeah. I cry when good wood gets turned into firewood. Yep. You know, my body, he, like pecan and hickory and mesquite, yeah, those are great for firewood. Stop cutting and burning the good shit. Yeah. Don't tell Jay Bates that. He loves hickory. Oh, Bateman? No, Jay Bates. 
I don't know if I know that one. You don't know Jay Bates? I probably do. Where have you been? Hiding in a theater for six months. I guess, I guess. I guess all three of us kind of work our butts off, don't we? Yeah. Maybe one day we'll all, we'll all have, be able to go full-time on the woodworking. <laughs> but I'm a long ways from there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm about uh, 20 more years away from there. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go full-time woodworker when I retire from from the theater world. Yeah, then you won't be able to afford my stuff. I won't be, afford, be able to afford my own stuff. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, Cam, uh, this kid of yours that's due in two weeks, uh, you know, that could be any time. You know, they say it's two weeks before, two weeks after. Yep. Do you uh, do you know if it's a boy or girl? Or are you keeping it a secret? Or No, we already know that it's a boy. Ah, uh-huh. nice. So, we Camp found out first. Different. What's that? How how big is your ego? Are you giving the kid a cam the same name with a junior on the on the back end? No. 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 Um, I don't I don't really know anybody who has done that. Uh, I know a few juniors that I work with and whatnot. So. <laughs> no, like, so it's not a good move. I don't I don't know. Oh, okay. I always no. I, I always joke with uh, the guys. It's like, oh, how big is your ego and you know. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it will definitely not be named Cam Jr. Um, but yeah, no, we found out as soon as we could what it was going to be. And we're trying to figure out a name. We have two more weeks, but we haven't really settled on any particular name. So I, I heard that James is a really strong name. So <laughs> Guaranteed to be successful. All-around nice guy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Not conceited at all. At all. <laughs> so, so uh, Cam, aside from, there is a app. I don't know. Are you on ins- Are you uh, a- Apple or Android? Uh, Apple on my computer, and then I have a Android phone, though. Okay, so I also have an Android phone. There is a app called Baby Name Matcher, which... We've been using, um, and you basically punch in your last name, and then it kind of, you know, you can set up as boy, girl, both, and then it just, you know, and it'll run through the alphabet, and you can, it's it's kind of like Tinder for baby names. You swipe left for yes and right for no, or is it right for no and left for yes? I don't know. I don't know, but I want to have a conversation with your fiance. Why? Well, how much? I mean, how do you know so much about Tinder? I don't know anything about Tinder because I love my wife. Uh, I love my my fiance too. I never actually use Tinder. I'm not even on Facebook. Yeah, I'm just busting your balls. I know. Um, plus, there's a guy on uh, YouTube called Fluffy Talks. One of my favorite guys. He basically has a series of "You're bad at." whatever and one of his is you're bad at tinder and he just finds the most horrible poorly made tinder profiles and just tears him a new one and he's up <laughs> to like episode 70 so cam i don't know if you know this or not or how many of the episodes that you've listened to in the past but this is what happens is that we'll we'll 
kind of make a joke about one thing and then it'll remind us of something else and then we go into this YouTube tunnel and we're so far off track. <laughs> well, I, there's nothing wrong with that. So, middle of Canada. You really, what, what hockey teams are in the middle of Canada? Like, I'm talking NHL teams. Well, we... So... I'm I'm on the we're on the west western side so we're Vancouver yeah so we have the closest the closest team to me would be the Calgary Flames okay and then second to that would be Vancouver Canucks who do you root for uh, I'm a Montreal fan actually oh. why I'm not a hundred percent sure but um, I definitely like Carey Price. Uh, and against Carey Price, that man is a genius between the net. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I kind of started, well, I grew up in Alberta. So you've got the Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers. Most of my friends, you know, if they were picking a team, it would be one or the other. Um, and But I, neither of those teams has ever really appealed to me. So I just... I kind of sort of was a Montreal fan, but I was always lost. And then when they, after they drafted Carey Price and he started to really, really shine, um, I just kind of naturally started following them. And I don't know. Uh, it was a good for a while there. Lately, not so much. <laughs> um, He's seen the Cup playoffs at least twice. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even. We didn't even make it this year, so which was kind of frustrating because we had. I mean, there's it's all about just a couple of points, but there were teams in the Western Conference that made it that uh, had less points than Montreal, so it was a little bit painful not to make it. But Columbus, they just they really pulled it together at the end there, and they were pretty much unstoppable. So I guess they, I guess they. They deserve it. Yeah. And then they went on, and then they went on to knock out Tampa Bay. So, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, James, I guess it was Capitals fans. Yeah, I guess it wasn't a good year for you guys. Hey, well, look here. It was okay. It was a decent year. It was a horrible run into playoffs, but that's yeah. So who I, I can't quite remember. So was it second round? No, we went out in the first round this year. Uh, who are you playing? I don't even remember. I don't remember either. It wasn't. Well, was it Pittsburgh? No, I don't think it was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh went out before they did. They never made it into. Uh, who was it? Uh, I have to look it up. Carolina. Yes, it was Carolina. Yeah, I don't know. They they had a they had a, quite a spark this year too. Yeah, but you know who I anyways. thought was you know I, I was watching because uh, I had a couple blackout games and I was pretty upset about it, so I decided to watch very painfully other teams and um, I was watching the Predators, Nashville, and yep. uh, they were playing so good. They were playing against uh, uh, Winnipeg. Yep. Yeah, and 
they were just they were killing it and uh i was getting actually kind of kind of scared that we were going to have to go up against somebody one of those teams but in all honesty i wanted to see a caps versus the knights round two i knew it wasn't going to happen but i would have loved to have seen it and seen how that would have played out if we have gone you know could we have won it again against them or were they going to you know were they going to be so vengeful that they were going to beat us yeah you know you know hockey history would have never been the same and we would have never heard the end of it being as it was their first year in the nhl oh god no yeah it would have been a forever thing and i'm glad i'm almost glad just for that one reason that it didn't happen yeah yep i guess ov deserved a cup i mean i mean yeah i mean he's yeah i mean ov gonna get it before the end of his you know mega contract so which was i think we're still got about five years left on that one but he's I mean, he's what two years younger than me, so he's probably got five more years of hockey in him, give or take. Oh, he's what 34, uh, 36? 30, no, he's younger than me. He's uh, 30, 32, 33. He could be thirty four. I mean, he may be a little bit, maybe not two years, but he's uh, yeah, he's thirty. He's thirty three. Okay, and I'll be thirty five in next week. Uh, well, happy early birthday. Yep, in about eight days. Nice. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry too much about him. He's an absolute beast, so he's not trailing off too much. And, yeah, yeah but he's a good player. Down. Yeah, I mean, you could just tell he has a, a love for the game. It's not a love for the paycheck. I mean, his paycheck is nice, but you can just tell certain players that are out there that – uh that are playing for a paycheck versus playing because they just absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd be worried if we lost him, but it, well, I could see us losing him, but to who I do not know. I don't think Pittsburgh would pick him up because he's there's too much hate between him and Crosby. He does he does well with Melkin, but not so much with Crosby. So if he ever got traded or whatnot, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, have we seen a roster? Do we we still have our same team, right? I haven't really been looking. No, I think we lost a few guys in the off season. Like who? Like who? A few guys too. Um, I don't think the official roster's out yet. We still got Backstrom, Backstrom, Knetsov, Oshi. Yeah, we still got those guys. Wilson. Uh, yeah. All Wilson. right. Uh, that's uh, Holtby. Yep. Carlson. Uh, I think so. That's that's the whole team right there. We're good to go. <laughs> that's, that's true. I know that's we lost, the core. Uh, I know we lost one or two guys. I can't just can't remember who we lost. Guys that obviously I can't remember. Not saying that they didn't do a job. Um, we still got Phoenix Copley. We still got you know Holtby. So it'll be interesting. You know, plus we still did they already do the draft? Are we getting close to the NHL draft? It's already done. Yeah. Yep, busy I've been. Okay, so for here's the twenty twenty or the twenty nineteen twenty twenty roster. You got Backstrom, Dowd, Eller, Kunetsov, Wingers are your is Board, Haglin, Hathway, Jaskins, Lipesic, Oshi, Ovechkin, Panic, Smith Pelly, Stevenson, Verana, Wilson, 
Carlson, Jews, Gudas, Jensen, Kempney, Orloff, Orpik. I'm going to butcher this one. It's a Seigen, Seigenthaler. And you got, sure. and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you got Phoenix Copley and Braden Holtby in the nets. So, yeah. But, you know, yeah. how, how many help are these guys here, you know, when it comes to the trade deadline? So, any one of these guys could disappear before then or at the trade deadline. Are you guys over the cap right now? or I have no idea. Do you guys have to dump someone? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think so. I don't think we're over the cap. I don't think we're under the cap. I think we might be right there. Um, I'll give you Phoenix Copley. You can just have him. <laughs> Not even trading. You can just keep him. I mean, yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with that guy. Like, I know that dude's under a lot of pressure when he was out there when uh, Hope he got his eye hurt. But, man, I almost broke two TVs watching different games because he was out for, like, I don't know, seven games or something. Yeah, I think, yeah, he was out for at least a week. Yeah. Yeah, Holtby. You guys are lucky to have Holtby. He's an, he is an absolute all-star. Yeah. I swear that dude, he has to, like, do a pound of Coke before he goes out there because that dude's lightning. <laughs> He's like lightning fast. His eyes are all over the place. I'm like, dude. Maybe it's just really cold water in that water bottle of his. Maybe. I'm talking like Alaskan cold water. Like the water from Waterboy cold. At the end of the movie, the the iceberg that he got from the medicine man. I don't know about that one. I haven't seen that one. (laughs) I know the one from Waterboy where he had the, the flask of water that was blessed by an Esco medicine man. Yeah, it was, and it was, it was from an iceberg. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the water boy. That's, that's what's in that's what's in Holtby's water bottle. Oh, that or he gets his power from his hair and beard. It's probably a combination. I mean, that's where all the you know all the superheroes who don't have beards don't have superpowers. Our power derives from our beards. That's right. I gotta grow a beard. Yeah, you you can tell my wife that. What's your wife's? Uh... What's your wife's name? Lindsay. That's right. Lindsay. She's she's not a huge fan of the the, the patchy beard. Oh, you got a patchy one? Yeah. Oh man. Well, how old are you? Thirty-four. Oh, okay. So I mean I'm thirty I'm thirty-four, I'll be thirty-five. My beard does not grow in patchy. I think the key to growing a beard, and I tell this to anyone who's like, Oh man, my beard grows horrible. I'm like, Well, stop caring. You gotta stop caring about the beard and just let it grow. Everything will fill in eventually. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see all the people that are writing to work, listening to this podcast right now, uh, if they just can't look down to turn the radio off because we're so far off topic. <laughs> that... I'm sure it's entertaining for somebody. <laughs> I still, I, I, you know, I might, this might be my experiment on Tuesday morning. I have, a, I have a concert that I have to load in on Tuesday morning, and I pick up commuters. I may put on an episode and try to gauge the reactions to the people I pick up and take into work with me. Those, those poor souls. <laughs> and see what the hell they're thinking. <laughs> like, just see what their faces are. Like, what the hell are these guys talking about? What the, you know... Maybe someone like, see if I can spark some conversation. Oh yeah, man, have you heard these guys? These guys are great. 
It sounds just like you. No, 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 not even, not even, not even uh, close. <laughs> oh, Cam, I, uh, I really do appreciate you coming on today, uh, and it, it means a lot. We we enjoyed having you today. And uh, is there anything? Uh, can you tell us how let's, we can find you? Let's, let's let's give him a thirty second plug. He's got thirty seconds. Go ahead and plug yourself. Uh, yeah, well, I only have two platforms that I post on regularly, and so that's YouTube and Instagram. And uh, the handle is for Instagram is at Ursus Workshop. So that's U R S U S, and then same for YouTube. So Ursus Work Ursus Workshop. Um, I haven't posted to the YouTube channel in a bit, but I do have a couple of videos that I'm working on right now, and those should be coming up in the next little bit. Um, there will be a full 30-day 30, 30 Dovetail Challenge video coming up on the YouTube channel, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So. Oh, great, great. You're going to do a, a collage, not a collage, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, Help me out here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of it either. I'm I'm drawing a blank myself. Where you where you smash all of them together, all thirty days, and put all in one video. Smash up. Yeah. Uh, sure. Well, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll take it. Yeah, that's not but the yeah, word I was so, looking for, but I'm sure that works too. Yeah, it's a compilation. Yeah, that's so, the one I'm looking for. Yeah. So good. hoping to put that up, and uh, so hopefully people check that out, and hopefully they like it. I'll be one of those people. I'll look forward to it as well. So. With that, as always, I am Kyle of Dogwood Woodworks. And I'm James with Skyland Design Studio. And Cam. Oh, and I'm Cam with Aresis Workshop. Uh, Y'all have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Take care, guys. (laughs) 